Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. to another edition of Ladies Who Launch on this uh, pretty sunny, happy morning on uh, Friday in January in Calgary, which for Calgary is pretty good, let's be honest. But um, how are you today, Dakota? Well, we were just kind of talking about this before we jumped on. I don't know what's going on with me today, but I just feel kind of like drunk. I know. And we both, and it's funny because our guest who we we will introduce in a moment actually told us we both look red. So unless we've both been on a 30 minute uh, elliptical exercise first thing this morning, I think something's up with our, uh, well, I I did just do a 50 minute boxing class. So. Well, that will be your excuse. My excuse is that I like literally got out of bed 20 minutes ago. So this is where we're at on a Friday morning. Anyway. We are. Welcome to the weekend. Yes. Um, anyway, we have a really exciting guest for you guys today. We're extremely excited to talk to her. I have to say I'm like the most excited because it's so in line with my industry. So we are bringing on Carly, who is a lifestyle blogger and social media influencer based out of Calgary. Uh, she's also a million other amazing things. She does freelance interior design. She travels a lot and she's a sommelier. So how up our alley is that? I, I honestly couldn't pick a better better guest to talk about all the things. Um, she's more importantly, the author of a new book, Chasing Likes, The Unflattering Reality of Being an Influencer. So this is why I'm particularly excited to talk to Carly today. So without further ado, welcome Carly. Can you please pronounce your last name for us? Because I feel like I'm going to butcher it. So my last name and how to say it is probably the most common question I'm asked. Um, My last name is Kurtolitza. It's a little bit of a tricky one, but Kurtolitza. Kurtolitza. Yeah. Wow. Kurtolitza. How about that? Yeah. Carly. No one ever just like repeats it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Kurtolitza. Yeah. What? Where's that from? So my husband is from the former Yugoslavia. So he's Bosnian. So they don't like vowels over there, I guess. So it rolls off your tongue nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Once you know how to say it, it's like, oh yeah, that's totally it. I would, I'd, I'd also like to note that Carly Katowitza is joining us from Las Vegas this morning. So this is like our first sort of international guest as we, uh, we chat with her from her hotel room in Vegas. Yes, I'm on the road. So I do apologize for my voice. It's been a, a week of talking. So it's Las Vegas. Good. So you're still alive. So yeah. like, really? I am. Um, I'm just like, I feel like when Phoebe on Friends got the cold and was like, ooh, how good do I sound? Like, this, this chick sounds good. And I'm like, oh, let, let's hope that's what people think. The dark, like, seductive voice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Make a, sing a versus smelly cat for everyone this morning. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> sticky shoes or something. Yeah. <laughs> So Carly, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you, your foray into the influencer world and kind of your career with that, and then how you came to write 
your book and what it's about. Yeah. So I started a blog almost seven years ago and was just like, you know what? I really want to share information that I'm sharing with complete strangers one-on-one with a wider audience. So I was like, I think a blog is for me. Uh, It was going really well. I fell into Instagram influencing. Uh, People started offering me money to promote some of their products. And I was like, oh, hey, like this is a thing. I'm like, I'm going to get paid to endorse the things I'm already endorsing. So that seems like a really great idea. And then somewhere along the line, I felt like I kind of lost focus and was like, you know what? No, I I want to say I had like an existential crisis, but I was like, you know what? Like, no, like I need to have like better brand integrity. And so that was something that became really important to me. But then I saw other influencers just not like they would endorse literally everything and anything. And I'm like, this just isn't good. And then 2020 happened, all the social issues of 2020 happened. And I saw things just really going off the rails. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then I'm like, maybe, you know, if like, I feel like I'm doing this the right way, I should stick around and fight the good fight. And then at some point this year, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put all this in a book. I've wanted to write a book for a really long time. And I thought, you know what? People are always asking me like, what is it like to be an influencer? Or they'll meet me and they'll be like, oh my God, like super excited, want to know everything about influencer marketing. Or they're like, oh, you're one of those. And then they are just like completely disgusted with me because of what I do. And I'm like, but you don't even know me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about what it actually takes to be an influencer. Some of the dark underbelly of the industry, shall we call it, um, as well, because there's a lot of drama and ridiculous behavior that uh, you see with influencers. And I, I've, all, I've already received some reviews. People are like, I'm honestly shocked that these are some of the things that you see on your you know, daily basis. And with people starting to really distrust influencers, uh, it's not so much that I wanted to set the record straight, but I wanted to say, you know, these are the things that really do go along with being an influencer. Um, maybe serve as a bit of like a, I don't know, a, a warning to, you know, people who like are aspiring influencers be like, you know what, this is a little more work than you think it is um, if you're going to be doing it right. But also, I don't want to say I want to call out some of the bad behavior, but I think I really wanted to to make people aware of, of what's what's been going on. Yeah. And what a breath of fresh air, honestly, Carly, because Alyssa and I have been saying this forever. Alyssa and I both um, have been in the industry. Myself, I've been around for probably 11 years. And I I initially was a publicist. Um, And Alyssa has been around for like 15, 16 years. Um, And she also did a lot of media relations. So when we began our careers, we, we worked very traditionally with media and within sort of the old school landscape. And it was when I was an agent, when I went into agency that I personally started to work with influencers. And I got to say, like, some of it was cool, but, and I remember, you know, my boss being like, okay, so you're going to pitch all the regulars, broadcast print, here's your long lead, here's your short lead. Um, And then in addition to that, I need you to pitch these 25 bloggers, like mommy bloggers. And I was like, what's a mommy blogger? (laughs) I just like, I was like, what is this? And most of the time it was pretty good, but like a lot of sassiness, a lot of entitlement. I remember we did this huge event for, I'm not going to name names, but it was for um, like a big, uh, a very well-known 
motor vehicle company um, that's like pretty popular. And we had like an influencer fam event. And one of our influencers got drunk and was like sleeping in a tail uh, in in a box in one of the vehicles at the end of the event. Yeah. Oh my god. I really, again, don't don't want to name any names, but that was one of the reasons I was not impressed with this company like at all for so many reasons. But I, I also was just like, they didn't really, in my opinion, deal with it. They used this person again and again and again and again. And I, I continued to be like, how do you get work? And he's, and ooh, whoops, this person's <laughs> very she, popular. Hey. <laughs> he is very popular. Uh, they are very popular. And yeah, I, I continue to wonder to this day how they, how they get work because they, they get, a, they get away with a lot. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, I did a big contract for Avenida Food Hall and Fresh Market uh, when I opened my own company, and I was a little little nervous to do some influencer plays. But I ended up um, bringing on the most amazing food focused influencers that this amazing group of people that were recommended to me by my, my girlfriend who only does media relations, and they did such a good job. And they didn't even like I was like, well, what's your fee? And they were like, no, no, just comp us like dinner, or whatever. And they were incredible. So I think my big lesson was always um, do your research, much like you would with your media, but really do your research, have a contract in place, understand what each of you is getting, uh, make sure you give pe- their, them key messaging to work with and set them up for success, right? Especially if they don't have a communications background and maybe they're just really good at photography. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a modern media relations landscape and it, it was, a, it's still pretty challenging to navigate sometimes. Well, that's the thing. And honestly, I love when brands or PR companies send me a list of talking points that they want me to hit a list of deliverables that they're looking for and a contract. I love a contract because then I'm not going back to the brand rep and being like, what did we agree on again? What am I supposed to have? Oh, you wanted four story frames and not three. You know, then I know I'm not missing the mark. And then they also know what they're getting from me. But there are influencers who are afraid of contracts. And I'm like, why? It protects both sides. Like, I think, well, I, I, I think, don't know. I think that's part, partly yeah. due to the fact that they don't have the back end analytics to support um, what it is that they do. So they don't want contracts because A, then they would have to actually fulfill. Um, an agreed upon um, deliverable of how many posts or whatever. And I don't, and I think a lot of it is, is because most of their followers are fake and they don't actually have the engagement or the followership that they say they do. But the other thing, and Dakota mentioned it in her, in what she was saying is that there's such a disparity between a professional influencer that wants a contract and has a specific fee. And there is an exchange of goods for that, for those things. Whereas other influencers, and I'm going to put them in quotes, who are happy with a comped meal. Like to me, that isn't an influencer either. Like you do deserve to be, if you are a professional influencer or professional anything, you should be paid for your service. And if you're doing it for exposure or you just want a freebie, that isn't professional either because you're doing a disservice to the actual influencers who charge money for those things as they should. So even within your own, within the influencer sector, there's no rules about what everyone's doing with each other. 
that's the thing. There's no rules. There's no standardization. There's no standardization of rates. It's not like, okay, well, if you have some people are like, oh, there's a formula. If you have this many followers, this is what your rate should be. And I'm like, really? Because I know there's a girl in Seattle who charges three times what I do and she gets it. And she has fewer followers than I do. Or there's a girl in Toronto who has twice the followers I do and she charges five times what I do or or things like that. There's just, or even, even just in Calgary, you can take five girls with the same following, same engagement, and they're all charging different things. And their quality might be the same. You might not even be able to tell them apart. But it's just because there's absolutely no standardization. And that's the thing too, when, when influencers are like, oh, well, I'm just willing to do this just for free. It's like, okay, I understand. We all know we've got to you know, do some stuff for lower rates or things like that when we're trying to build up our following, trying to build up our resume, that kind of thing. But you know, especially if you're an established influencer and you're like, well, I'll do it for a free meal. I don't want to be like, well, how hungry are you? Like, you know, you should be valuing your time and your expertise and what you're bringing to the table. And if you're not, you can't expect a brand to respect you and value what you're giving them. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I mean, the same thing for like interns and stuff too. Like I've had many students approach my company want like wanting to work for us. And when you pay for things, you get better quality, right? Um, so while I was happy to, to allow it for that one event at Avenida, just because our budget was really not that great at the time. And we were kind of doing some AB testing. We did have them back, uh, for like more of a paid play and, and it was great. But one of the things that I've seen come out of this landscape that I've found interesting, and I'd love your take on it is agencies. So, um, I'm seeing more and more influencer agencies popping up that are attempting to regulate the process. So from what I've seen, they scanned social to find influencers or bloggers that have in and around 10,000 and up in terms of their followership. Um, And then they approach them and give them the opportunities to work with brands as well as I think help market them. Um, And then they take a certain percentage, I think. Do you know anything about this? Yeah. So usually uh, agents charge generally a standard 18 to 20% off the top of anything an influencer makes. Holy Um, crap, that's a lot. It is. It's a big commission. But if you think about it, sometimes some brand deals are really easy. A brand will just come to the agency and say, who do you got? This is, these are my deliverables. Let me know. And it's a really easy, like done deal. But sometimes there's months of back and forth. So I don't want to say that agents don't earn their commission because with some some of these brand deals, they really do because they're, there's so much minutia and things change. And, and there's, there's, like I said, a lot of back and forth and there's a lot of time. So they're being compensated for their time um, in the big picture because like I said, some things are easy and some things aren't. But yeah, a lot of these agencies, they're repping... Um, a large swath of influencers. Some will say like, maybe they'll only rep mommy influencers or only Canadian influencers, or they have a really diverse roster. Um, And this is becoming a really popular thing. Um, I worked with an agency for about six, eight months. Um, It wasn't for me. I didn't really like the the model that that agency used. Um, Everything they had went to a lead influencer, like all the incoming, whether it, you know was a fit for that influencer or not, they'd be like, like, here's an example. Like I have a dog and that influencer didn't. And like, let's say a dog food campaign came in. Well, they would go to her immediately just because she was the lead influencer. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. So that wasn't really, that wasn't really my jam, but, um, there are a lot of really good influencers. 
uh, or influencer agencies in, I mean, in Canada, and there's quite a few across the US. Some of them will just like, you'll see all these continuous roster announcements. Like, oh, we signed this person, this person, this person. And you just see them like stocking up. They'll sign like 20 influencers, see how that does with being able to pitch them out. And then like for new business, and then whoever doesn't work after about three months, you see them like just can a bunch of people. So it's it's a really interesting thing. And even like when it, it comes to agencies, seeing how they manage their roster and manage their talent is is also kind of kind of bizarre. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I mean I think it's partly the fact that this is still a bit up, like it, it, it's still tech. I mean, it's not technically new, but I think how the creating the structure around it is still new. So I think even like Dakota and I could could start a an influencer agency tomorrow because there's no there's no rules around what that looks like and and just start like pitching people. So I think even from an influencer agency perspective, it's still sort of as loosey goosey as the influencer culture itself. It is. It really is. And I think too, like, I don't think a lot of influencers understand what an agency model even looks like either. So business can come in and a brand could say, Hey, like, who do you got? And they decide to take nobody. Well, that's not the agent's fault. Like an agent can't make a brand want to work with you. Like they're just filling their clients requirements. Um, I have a bit of an agency background. I did technical recruitment for a while. And people are like, well, how come you can't find me a job? And I'm like, well, I can't magically make a job appear at a company for you that you want to work for. Yeah. Like you might be a great fit for the job that you know you think you want, but I mean, I can't just make jobs materialize for my clients. My job isn't to find you a job. My job is to fill my clients' requirements. And I think that little piece of knowledge is also missing. Um, from influencer agencies. I don't think that they that influencer agents necessarily manage expectations with influencers or with brands correctly because I mean that's a lot of being an agent is managing expectations. And I don't I just want to say like I feel like it's just business acumen that is missing yeah. from this. And I don't want to say it's like, oh, because you have these 25-year-old girls who are going and doing this and they don't know anything about the world because they're 25. No, I know some people who are 25 years old and they are much more intelligent and savvy than people I know who've been in business for 30, 35 years. So it's not an age thing necessarily. It just happens to be because this is a younger industry, mm-hmm. a younger, because it's like, oh, I know there are a lot of agencies too. They're like, oh, we need to do social media. You over there, young person, this is going to be what you do because you understand what the young people do. But and that's, terrible that's not a good thing. It is, no. yes. It's a terrible approach. I, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I've always argued um, that, and I know it's terrible too, but I do this all the time because it took me like ten, like 10 years into my career to decide to go on my own. Like I, I never felt I had a large enough Rolodex. I never had enough contacts and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like, so I was, I mean, granted it was, it was on me too, being like afraid to sort of make that leap. But then I see all these like 22 year olds and I'm like, oh, I have my own, um, social media business or I, I, I do influence. And it's like, this is a thing. And I'm like, like, I'm sorry, but under no circumstances, are you qualified? I mean, I'm sure you're lovely or whatever, but you got to pay your dues. And I think this is where this influencer culture has gone off the rails for me is that, um, 
if you're 16 and in high school and, and get a whole bunch of followers because you do, you post pictures of your cool fashion outfits or whatever it is that you might do in high school. And suddenly you get all these followers and then like brands might reach out to you to like wear their jeans in your posts. And suddenly you're still in high school and you're either making money or you're just getting a bunch of free stuff sent to your house. Yeah. By the time that you're like 21, you think, well, yeah, of course I can just do this as a business or I like all these people love me and blah, blah, blah. And I think we've created this weird culture of everyone thinking that they are a star or they can be a star without actually a, the business acumen or any sort of understanding of how this works. Absolutely. Like, thank you for saying that. There is a culture of entitlement. And there's also this, like, you ask people, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, well, I want to be an influencer. I want to be Instagram famous. One of my cousins, um, my second cousin, DMs me on Facebook. She's like, I just saw your book. She's like, my son is like 12 years old and he wants to be an influencer when he grows up. And she's like, I don't think he understands that this is work. I don't think he understands that it's not just like, oh, hey, like, I'm going to get a bunch of free stuff. And he thinks that's like something he should be doing. She's like, so I bought him your book. Hopefully it sets him straight. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, yes, yes, absolutely. Because it's one of those things that it's like, you know, you start getting those free things. You're like a 16 year old and then you hit 21 and you're like, how come no one's giving me a car? Don't you know who I am? I have this many followers. And it's like, you're nobody. You're a random person. Like that's a, if people, and it's kind of weird for me, I guess I've met some of my audience members in person and I never look good when they do. I never do. I always look terrible. Um, I'm the person like, you're like, Oh, I think that's Carly. It probably is. It's like, Oh, she's got no makeup and sweatpants on at Costco. It's like, yeah, no, that's her. That that's the girl from that book. Um, but people are like, Oh, and I'm I'm not the norm because people are like, well, I'm a public figure. I need to, you know, look my best all the time. And I'm yeah. like, okay, no, just no. I'm a normal human. No, and when people right? <laughs> right. And when people fangirl me, I'm like, we're the same. Like, I'm yeah. just maybe more outgoing and bubbly and chatty about the things that I love and share that. But we're we're still, we're doing the same thing. Like we're in the same fitness class. We're doing like you and I are the same. We put our pants on the same way every morning, but so many influencers, oh my gosh. And they feel that way with other influencers. They feel that they're better than other influencers. It's like, why is she here? She only has 10,000 followers and I have a hundred thousand followers. And it's just, it's crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Or it's just, like, but it's not even like an influencer yeah. thing because I see this even from a business perspective because small businesses have been told that they need to be on Instagram and they need to be posting all the time and they need to be on stories all the time in order to grow their own brands as a as a small business. And so you'll even see small businesses sort of side-eyeing each other being like, oh, like they only have a thousand followers and I've got, our business is 2,500. Like how could we how are we in the same bucket as them? And I think that's why I love the title of your book so much, this ch- the chasing likes, because I think even those of us who aren't influencers fall into that. Like even my bit, like when I check my, in- my Instagram account, I will notice like, Oh, two people followed me and I get excited about it because I'm yep. 12, but we fall into that too. It's like, how many people have liked my post or how like did I get two new followers this week or whatever? And it, we, we've all fallen into this really sort of toxic culture of paying way too much attention to where we are 
individually or as a business on social media, I think. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I feel, especially like small businesses too, like where you say others, like small businesses are giving side eye to other small businesses. And I'm like, if you're a small business and you've got 2,500 followers, but your counterpart has 10,000, do the followers matter? Maybe you have 10 times the sales. Right. Followers on Instagram don't mean that you have more sales than maybe your peer brands or, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily translate. Like social media popularity and, you know, it doesn't always turn into those kinds of things. I mean, really, I feel like Instagram is more for brand awareness. To get people to click through to buy something on Instagram, that's a lot of steps. You're asking a lot from It's expensive people. too. It is expensive. Like thinking like, what is your price per click? for a brand to actually, you know, get a sale from that. Like, I mean, you're, if you, and that's another thing that I think people don't realize with influencers. They're like, well, I can't track the metrics. It's like, no, you can't because we're a billboard ad. At the end of the day, I post on Instagram, it's a billboard ad. I don't know like if you, you know, it's like, well, I didn't get 50 sales from you and I got this many, this other girl, her code or whatever. Great. Or brands will be like, hey, let's give 50 codes to 50 influencers. And it's like, well... I follow five girls and they all have different codes. Now I'm like, but I want to shop this sale. Which of their codes do I use? Now I have to choose between my friends. <laughs> like it's Yeah, that's yeah. true too. It's really tricky. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So in terms of like selecting an influ- like influencers to work with or building a list or even just like how to pitch someone and make sure they, they drive with your brand, what would be some steps that you recommend to random business owners that don't have the dollars to pay an agency to do it for them? How would you recommend people approach you? Um, honestly, like I would say, you know, follow somebody for a while. Follow, don't just be like, oh yeah, she looks good and DM her. Follow her for maybe a week, two weeks, a month. Um, I've had brands tell me like, we've been following you for about six months before we decided to reach out to you. And I'm like, good, good. Yeah. Now you get a sense of me. You've watched my stories. You see my content. You've maybe seen a bit of evolution in my brand, that kind of thing. Now you have a better sense of who I am. One thing that I will say, and this is something maybe like to anyone really young listening, they're going to be like gasp, have a phone call. Oh have my God. No. Up- yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. How? I love when brands are like, do you mind if we just schedule a call? I'm like, yes, please. Let's have an actual conversation instead of just going back and forth over email. Like then we can actually get to know each other. Feel like you can tell if you can vibe with somebody. It's like, sometimes you can vibe over email. Sure. But to actually have a phone conversation with somebody, I know I sound so old when I say that that's something that is a a good thing to do. First of all, if somebody's like, no, you're like, okay, well, that tells me everything I need to know. Or if they're really awkward. I mean, some influencers are shy. They are introverts, but they're amazing content creators. That, I mean, I understand that. And that might be something like if you're just looking for them to create content for you, maybe that it is a really good fit because you know they just have baller photography. But yeah, schedule a phone call. Get to know somebody... Um, and, and that kind of thing. And because I know a lot of people, they like to go back to the same influencers. Um, and a lot of agencies do too, because it's like, you know what? We like working with these people. And at the end of the day, this should be a relationships business. And, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and a lot of influencers are just mercenaries. They're just on to the next thing. They're like, whatever, I'm done with that campaign. I'm done with you. I'm just going to move on. It's like, well, 
no, like you need to be building long-term relationships. And I think it's really great when agencies and small businesses build long-term relationships with brands. I love working with small brands that are up and coming because I know as they grow, I can grow with them. And, you know, they're like, oh yeah, like she's loved them since the start. Like she actually like really loves this brand. And, you know, it it makes for like a really great symbiotic relationship. And that's really interesting. Jumping off from that point um, with, with Dakota asking what businesses should be looking for an influencer. If you're an influencer, what should be the expectations that you have for the, for the business or who you're working with, the brand? Like, what should you be doing and looking for as an influencer? Um, like personally, I want to know if the brand is a fit for me. Um, like I don't have a cat, so I'm like, I can't endorse cat food. Um, but as you know, it's just as an offhand example, um, budget, it's good to be clear about budget. It's good to be clear about deliverables. Um, cause it's like, Oh, Hey, we want to work with you. And I'm like, great. Okay. What do you want from me? Like, and I, maybe it sounds kind of rude to say that I would never just come right out and say like, what do you want from me? But it's like, what, what do you want from me? What are your expectations? Do you want a long-term thing? Do you want maybe to do a trial run? Um, How much content are you looking for? Because sometimes it's like, well, I'm looking for this, 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 and this. And it's like, okay, well, what's your budget for that? And it's like, well, $10. It's like, well, I can't give you all of that. Or I could give you some of that. Or $10 is a really low number. I don't know why I I threw that out there. But (laughs) I like, sorry. Yeah, no, that was terrible. But, um, But I've had that. It's like, oh, well, we want three... Uh, posts on your Instagram feed and we'll send you a scrunchie. A scrunchie. I'm like, are your scrunchies made of gold? Like, I actually, this is, I'm quoting from my book here, but um, like, these are things that people are like, well, you know, it's just, all you have to do is like take three photos of yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but I have to take the photo. The lighting has to be good. I have to edit the photo. Now I got to write a caption about your scrunchie and like make it interesting so people want it. It's not... It's not so simple. And I think that's the other thing too, is brands need to prepare themselves for what influencers are going to come back and say, these are my rates, because I know it will startle a lot of people. And, you know, it'll startle a lot of small business. I think sometimes they just don't know. And I've had small businesses come to me and they're like, okay, like, you know, like we're kind of friends, acquaintances. Can you just give me an idea? Give me a ballpark of what people even charge if I even know this this is something that I should even be bothering to DM people to work with. Um, because businesses don't know. And some of them, the other thing too is there's so many influencers that will just do stuff in exchange for product. You'll have somebody who has 50,000 followers who'll be like, yeah, I'll take your free scrunchie, I'll do your three photos. And then it devalues what the rest of us do, um, which also doesn't help. So then that sets that standard in that small business owner's mind, well, I can get this for you know, the cost of a scrunchie, why are you asking me for a thousand dollars? That's rude. So, you know, it just, honestly, again, it's managing expectations. Um, a brand needs to do it, like even a small business with an influencer and, and vice versa. Yeah. That's really Absolutely. interesting. And do you ever get, I mean, I always like when you watch Jillian Harris or her cousin Tori or any of the sort of influencers that just have things sent to them and you know that she never talks about like 90% of whatever sent to her. Do you, are you at the point where you're where you're getting brands just sending you things hoping that you might like wear the scrunchie in your Instagram just because you like the scrunchie? Yes. So I have had brands ask me, they're like, oh, we want to send you this. And I'm like, well, what is it? And it's like, oh, well, it's a surprise. And I'm like, well, okay. 
And a lot of times if it's a surprise, they're like, there's no obligation to post about it. We just want to send, sometimes it's like, we just want to send you a gift. And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the gift and I'll send them a thank you note after the fact. Um, But if it's not something I'm interested in, I can't post about all the free stuff I get. But I'm also like, if I know I'm not going to like it and I know I'm not going to post about it, I'll just, you know, like politely decline because I'm like, there might be an influencer out there who wants that. Um, and it's a really good fit for, or if I know it's not a fit for me, but I can think of five people that I know in my peer group that would probably be a great fit and that would love that product. I'd be like, you know what, this really isn't for me, but here's five people you can reach out to. Um, that's that's something, that's something I personally do. Um, but I don't know if other influencers do that. I think it's just my, I'm a facilitator by nature. I just can't, I just can't help myself. Cause you'd be like, Oh, like I'm looking for this. And I'd be like, I got a guy, let me give me like, we're going to connect you to people. And I know that I think that's maybe just more me than, than influencers in general. But yeah, I, I don't want to say like, Oh, like I refuse free products, but sometimes I do. Cause I'm like, I just, I don't need 10 different skincare sets. Cause I know what I like. Um, I don't want, but there are influencers who are like, well, I want all the things. And if they're up for grabs, then I should have them. I don't want it, but she has it. And I only want it because she has it. So right. yeah, I think it just depends on, on the person. Hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm just taking all of this in. It's all very interesting. Um, what would you, what would you, what would your advice be to up and coming influence people who want to be influencers, such as your, um, friend's son, what would be like your top three pieces of advice? Well, number one, read my book. Um, no, <laughs> um, no it's a top piece of advice would be like, just like going into any other career. I, you know, they always encouraged us in like high school and university, talk to other people who do that job. See if it's something that you even want to do. See if somebody would let you shadow them. I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm, if somebody was an up and coming influencer and they'd be like, you know what, Carly, I really want to know what it's like to do what you do. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to shoot some content next week. Why don't you come hang out with me and see what goes into it? And we'll talk about it. Um, That's one thing. I know a lot of influencers don't want to talk about what they do. They don't like to share how much work it is with up and comers. There's a real weird vibe around that. Um, The mentorship in influencer marketing just really isn't there. Influencers are very protective of what they do. Um, But really start thinking about what these things cost. Start researching. What does camera equipment cost? Um, you can't do most of this on your iPhone anymore. What are you looking at for a DSLR? What are you looking at for lenses? How much photography experience do you have? How much, you know, how experienced are you with the Adobe Creative Suite? Uh, that kind of thing with editing photos. And now you're having to do a lot of video stuff and, and that kind of thing. And I mean, if you're just really savvy with a lot of that, great. But start thinking about there are some sunk costs when you start uh, to do this. Um, just for equipment and things like that. And think about think about why you really would want to be an influencer. Are you doing it just because you want to be famous? Are you doing it because you want to do something meaningful? Are you doing it because you're like, well, I just want free stuff and this seems like really awesome and glamorous? Because um, truth be told, it really isn't. Um, do I like getting free stuff and do I like presents? Of course I do. Who doesn't? But at the same time, like nothing's free. There's always no. strings attached. That's the other thing I think people need to realize too is, is nothing's free. Did I say... Th- 
three things there. I probably said like five. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, really that's really really <laughs> I, I have one question and I'll give you like uh, an essay answer, but yeah, there's a lot of things. It's like, you know, why do you really want to do this? The other thing too is, is how public do you want your life to be? And that's something that I personally struggle with. I don't want to be famous, um, which makes, it just seems like I'm being hypocritical or that just makes absolutely no sense. It's like, but you're an influencer and, you know, you want to share, you know, your content with the world. I do, but I don't want to be famous. I don't want people to fangirl me or things like that. And I think a lot of people do it because they are looking for the attention, but what do you do when that attention's gone? Or if you are basing, you know, your success on your engagement and your engagement tanks one day, do you feel like a failure? And you know, end up with some mental health struggles from it um, because I've watched that happen and it's really scary. Um, there's a lot of that. There's yeah, a really dark side to this industry. Well, I think yeah. what makes you interest. Oh, what makes you interesting? Um, and I'm going to side. This is where I'm going to sidebar off um, to your other stuff because I think what what also you do is interesting is that you clearly have other interests. I mean, you're a sommelier, which is like the coolest thing, and because. Dakota and I are like seriously into wine and stuff. I just want to ask you how you got into that and why it's important as an influencer to have other interests. Yeah. Well, I mean, you need to diversify as well because the other thing too is I don't think Instagram is going to last forever. Yeah. That's the other thing. Or YouTube or any of them. Or any of that, right? What happens if there's a solar flare? (laughs) You have no marketable skills. Um, I'm not saying like I'm a doomsday prepper with that, but it, it is one of those things that you really need to think about. Um, so the sommelier thing kind of came up as I... This is where my husband and I are kind of crazy people. When we find something we're interested in, we want to know as much about whatever that is as possible. So for me, I was really... I really enjoyed wine. I loved wine. Started going to the Okanagan, going on wine tastings and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I want to learn more about this. And so my husband's like, well, why don't you just start taking some courses? And I was like, actually, it's not a bad idea. Like, why don't I? Um, Didn't have children at the time. So I had a lot more time to do these kinds of things. And so I took my level one uh, sommelier course. Um, I did it here in Calgary, actually. Uh, I did it through Fine Vintage, uh, James Kluwer. They're great. Um, Not getting paid to endorse them at all. I just think that their courses were fantastic and I would recommend it to anybody who asked. Um, the level one is really great just for anyone to take. Um, it's super interesting. You learn a lot. Um, but then I took my level two, uh, which is what I have. Um, I haven't pursued my level three yet just because I had two kids in two years. So <laughs> didn't really make sense. Um, but my I took my level two because I'm like, I just wanted to dive even further into it. I wanted to know about wine, about the regions and those types of things. And to be perfectly honest with you, having that certification has opened some doors with traveling and not so much that like, oh, hey, we want to bring you to our winery. But if I email a winery and say, hey, I'm coming, I have this, I want to talk to somebody. Um, You get to talk to more interesting people. You get really cool tours, more information about the wineries and that kind of thing, which I know a lot of people really aren't interested in. They just want to go and they're like, oh, this is good. I like this wine. And and that's enough for them. But for me, I'm an information junkie. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to get like the inside scoop and learn even more about this particular wine and and that kind of thing. So that's more of a, probably a me thing than, than anything else. But I just, I find it so fascinating. I've been into wine my entire life. My grandfather used to make wine. That's kind of where I 
my foray into wine started. So like at the age of four, I knew how to pronounce Chateau Dupac and like, well, like, you know, I knew how to, yeah, like, I, and I'd go down there and watch him and it was just really cool. And so it's kind of been a big part of my life forever. Um, I actually, that's, we'll have to talk offline about this course because I've been going back and forth for the last two years with COVID trying to figure out which courses I want to take, but I want to wait until I can do them in person again. Cause I was going to attempt my W set two years ago and then COVID happened. And I was like, what do I want to do it online? Like, no. Obviously no. in person. Like, I don't even know how you would do that. Um, so anyways, yeah, super interesting, but that, I think that's what life's all about. Right. Like, and as us, like, you and myself and Alyssa, like we're obviously all very creative people. And so we have our businesses, but we also have other interests. And somehow, because we're such people connectors, that feeds back into our business. And it's kind of just like a mantra for your whole life. Um, and I would say we've kind of won the lottery in that sense, in that we actually truly do get to do what we love every day. So that's really cool. I would agree with that. And I'm, I think you should definitely do W set. And, and yeah. I think you should. I think you'll love it. You'll get a lot out of it. Yeah. I want to, I thought about doing it for a while too, because um, it's just one of those things that always gets put on the back burner. Cause it's like one, but every time I go to the wine store or talk to the um, person at the wine store about a new wine or I, or I find one that I really love, I'm like, I really want to take it, but take it. But yeah, it's one of those things that just always gets. So that would be Dakota and I's goal for um, post COVID well, no. is to take our, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah. talking over like I said I wouldn't do. Um, one of our Dakota, past, yes. no, Dakota is Greek and Italian, so like wine is like <laughs> literally her blood. As is talking over people. <laughs> That's great. No, why do you? You guys should totally do the W set courses. Honestly, um, I was one of the only people in the courses that wasn't from industry. Uh, but there, you wouldn't be the only hobbyists that are just like, no, we're just interested. I would think, I mean, maybe I'm like completely off base now, but you think even through COVID and post COVID, there'll probably be a lot more hobbyists. Cause I think a lot of people for various reasons got seriously into wine through COVID yeah. because <laughs> it was our only joy. And I'm betting that there'll probably be a lot more sort of regular hobbyists in, in these sort of courses. Cause I think people like really started to get into it. Um, but at least people yeah. I've talked to through COVID because a, you had the time and B, you had the access to be able to go and, and check out all these cool wines. And anyway. Yeah. It I, honestly, it really opened my palate up to things. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't like that. And it's like, actually, no, I really do like this. I didn't realize like, so yeah, it's, it's very eye opening and awesome. So if you love wine, it's well worth it. Amazing. I mean, I feel like I go into Highlander every so often to stock up and I just like, I'm always, I'm always like, wow, I'm either a giant alcoholic or I must really love wine because I want to say like, I know 70% of the store most of the time. Like, yeah, I've had that. Like, oh, what's new? And I always chat with the owner and like, okay, so what do you guys got going on? That's new from Italy, France. Okay, cool. Um, and I, I always say to myself, like, it's time. <laughs> yeah. That it is but, time. Uh, mm-hmm, it is time. Well, I, I'll get back to you on, on how the progress is going. Awesome. So kind of round things off a little bit here, Carly. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who is inspiring you right now? We always like to end off our cast with two questions. Who's inspiring you? And what's a book that you're reading outside of your own? Because if I wrote a book, I'd be like re- rereading it myself and patting myself on the back. Um, what's something you're reading right now that our listeners would, would love to 
check out? Um, so I just started reading uh, Rachel Hollis's new book. I guess it's not that new. It's probably been out for like a year. Um, didn't see that coming. Um, I read her first two books, Girl, Wash Your Face. And um, I forget the second one, which is crazy because I like the second one better. And now I can't remember the title of it. Um, but I, so now I'm just reading um, her newest book. I just started it. Um, I do have like favorite books though, like favorite business, like women in business books, especially though, that I always like to to kind of recommend. Um, if you haven't read Work Party by Jacqueline Johnson, that one is well worth it for any woman in business. That's one of my favorites. Um, or Find Your Extraordinary by Jessica Heron. That's like a uh-huh. perennial favorite for me. Big fan of that one. Um, I just love how it says, you know, my favorite part of it is just how success isn't just, you know, measured one way. It is success means different things to different people. Um, that was like my biggest takeaway. And I've gone back and reread that book several times. Um, but as far as who's inspiring me right now, um, I mean, I find inspiration, you know, from, from other influencers, um, and people like that, but, um, just watching, um, some of my friends who have small businesses and watching how they've pivoted through the pandemic and to see how they're kind of coming out the other side um, and watching their businesses grow. Um, People who really do inspire me are Jim and Jamie Love. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They own Hello Someday Winery. Um, They're based out of Calgary. The winery is in um, the Okanagan, but they're amazing. If you want to pick up their wines, Um, they've got, they just had a dream of doing this and they went for it. They just went for it. And I, I don't know, I, I spoke with her last week over the phone. Um, and every time I talk to her, um, cause they have new wines coming. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. They have new wines coming out later this year. I'm just going to say it. And, um, I just, every time I speak with her, I just feel so inspired by the fact that they're just following their dream and making this a thing and creating legacy for their son. And it just, it's, I don't know. It's, they're fantastic. So I've had that wine. My friend Michelle, she shout out to Michelle at Maven and mentioned she has a really amazing um, computer company uh, and is located in Marta Loop. She brought me their wine. I believe she brought me their Riesling last year. Ooh. She dropped off some cookies and wine just to like make her community feel better because of COVID. Nice. I know it was so sweet. It was really good wine. And I love the branding. So I'll have to, we'll plug that on the show notes for everybody who wants to check it out. Um, Carly, do you mind just, sorry, the title of the third book, just reiterated, it kind of cut out a little bit. Oh, uh, Find Find Extraordinary? Extraordinary. Excellent. Thank you. It's by Jessica Heron. She's the woman who started Stella and Dot, like the MLM jewelry company. Yeah. Um, But she has an incredible story and it's really relatable, even though she's this incredible powerhouse CEO. Uh, but she just the way that she just talks about success um, and measuring it for yourself is something I think that everyone should read. Well, thank you, Carly, for coming on the cast. I feel like we could talk to you forever, as we do with most of our guests. But we will let you guys go, and we will link all of Carly's information in the show notes if you want to go check her out. And also, uh, we'll link to Amazon so you can order her book. Carly, is there another outlet that you would prefer people order your book from, or is Amazon okay? Right now, um, it's just on Amazon. Um, so, but I'm hoping to be doing an in-person signing, obviously dependent on a number of factors, um, in February, uh, here in Calgary as well. So, uh, you'd be able to pick my book up at that as well. So. Yeah. Well, let us know when that is, because we will push that out as well. If you. I will will for sure. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Carly. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 